Happy Easter, everyone. My name's Tim. I'm the pastor here. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Whether you're joining us online at our Orland campus, at our Homer campus, in the chapel, because we didn't have enough room, wherever you are, we're really glad that you're here. Um, And by the way, this is the first Easter in our new building at our Homer Glen campus, so special welcome to them. Here's a picture at 159th by Denolfo's. We have a campus there. Yep. And for those of you Christers, those of you who only come and visit us on Christmas and Easter, by next Christmas, we are going to have a new campus in New Lenox, and it's going to look like this right there. Pastor Richie's going to be taking that one. Lairway Road and Schoolhouse. Uh, we're glad to have you whenever you get here. We really are. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like I have any grandchildren announcements this year at Easter. Last two Easters, I've been able to, you know, announce that I was going to have a grandchild. My daughters are slacking a little bit, but, um, <laughs> you know, they'll catch up. Actually, my youngest is getting married in June, so we're giving her a pass. It's all good. But it's been fun um, because there's something about new life and 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 Easter that just goes together, you know? I mean, two years ago, I showed this picture. This was a stupid look of joy when I found out I was going to be a grandpa for the first time. And I was just looking through some pictures the other day, and I noticed it's that same smile this last Thanksgiving when I'm holding both of my grandchildren. It's this ridiculously joyful celebration, and that's what Easter ought to be for us. It ought to be that. It's the best. I mean, other holidays are cool. I got a little Irish in me. St. Patty's Day is fun. I like trees, you know, so Arbor Day is important. Um, (laughs) Independence Day is huge. My son-in-law's from England, uh, so if we're together on the 4th of July, I just walk around the house all day going, freedom! (laughs) Kind of drives him nuts. They celebrate, you know, freedom from oppression and tyranny and taxation without representation. (laughs) Christmas is fun. I like Christmas. God became man. We throw a huge party for that. But this is the celebration of man being able to return to God, death to life, okay? It's the most important thing. I grew up in Oklahoma, and my parents moved away when I did, and so I didn't go back a lot. I didn't go to my 10th high school reunion. Um, I, I, I did go to my 20th high school reunion, which was a, a few years ago. And, and when, I went, when I went back, I thought uh, I got nominated for the category. You know how they do the dumb contest, you know, along the way, person who came the farthest. Um, I, I, I was nominated for that category probably in a couple of ways. It's like, number one, you're a pastor? Well, I didn't see that coming in high school. And um, and number two, you know, I mean, most people in Oklahoma are not smart enough to realize they ought to move away, so they're all from down there, you know? And I drove all the way from Chicago, so I thought I was going to win. No, got beat by a guy named Joe. How far did Joe come, you ask? Well, at the 10th reunion, he'd been listed as deceased. (laughs) Winner! He definitely came the farthest. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared. They went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Winner, most significant event in human history. The angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. The reason we're having 15 Easter services to celebrate this holy day, this holiday, is because we believe that Jesus was and is the Son of God and that his death on the cross paid the price for all of our sins and his resurrection proved that we can have power over death too. It's that important. Because if Jesus has power over death, that means he has all the power. 
There's nothing else left, right? He, he, he wins. He has all the power. And I'm sorry, but can I just say Superman versus Batman is so dumb. I mean, I didn't see the movie yet, but come on. That should be a 10-minute movie, right? <laughs> Superman is superhuman. He's not from this world. Batman's just a guy. Superman can fly and has x-ray vision. Batman has a cool belt. <laughs> He's not even a mutant human. He's just a rich guy with toys. My money is on superhuman every time. Okay, I got that off my chest. But, but listen, Jesus had supernatural powers and power over death, and that is a game changer. He said, all power on earth and in heaven is given to me. He had all the power, and he proved it at the resurrection. He proved it before the resurrection, too. He was doing miracles all over the place. That's why huge crowds followed him. There's a movie that's been out recently called Risen. It's a, a movie about the resurrected Christ. And um, it's a different take because it's a fictional account of a Roman officer who's been charged with the duty of, of trying to figure out what's up with the empty tomb. I mean, you've you got to understand, we usually kind of end there at the empty tomb when we're thinking about this. But for the Romans and for the Jewish leaders, empty tomb was a huge problem because that meant this Jesus movement was going to be hard to keep down. So in this movie, Pilate and the, and the Romans send this, this one officer to go investigate what happened to Jesus' body. Well, along the way, he meets Jesus. And, and it's a fictional account, but Jesus did talked to over 500 people, the Bible tells us, in between the time of his resurrection and his ascension back to the Father. So there was some time when this scene could have happened. And this is a scene where the Roman officer is with Jesus and the disciples, and he's trying to figure out why everybody followed Jesus. I mean, he already knows that Jesus is something different because he's not dead like he's supposed to be. And in this scene, a leper appears, and, uh, and Jesus heals him. Watch for this. So your follow-up question would be, well, if he had all the power, then how did he get killed? And the answer is he didn't. He didn't get killed. He voluntarily laid his life down. He said ahead of time, nobody takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it back up again. So then why did he have to die? Why did this have to happen? Because the wages of sin is death, and we all sin, and we needed our punishment paid for and so Jesus took it on the cross. You might have seen this pic around um, this week on the internet. It sums up the cross for me when I, when I saw it. A guy with his son at a baseball game, preseason baseball game between the Braves and the Pirates. And his son is not paying attention. They're in a, you know, they're in a place. There's some places that you sit in a ballpark that are dangerous for foul balls or bats or whatever. They're sitting in one of those places. And his son is not paying attention because he's sending a picture to his mom on a cell phone. And about that time, a bat flies into the stands. I don't know, a guy warming up just lost it or a broken bat or something, but a baseball bat and this kid's head are getting ready to happen. Look at this picture. Yeah. Jesus carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. That, that's the cross. Jesus took our penalty. But he didn't just have power over sin by his death. He had power over everything else by his resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
Do you believe this? And I think Easter time is when we have to answer this question. And to some of us, it's, it's an obvious, because we've heard this story before, many of us, all of our lives. But for some of you, it may be the first time that you've really processed this. And it may be pretty hard to believe, because it is pretty hard to believe. Maybe you've even felt his presence. Maybe you've even seen miracles happen in your life. It's still hard to believe. And that's okay. God wants you to know that's okay. We want you to know it's okay. We welcome you. Because the truth is, even the disciples, after they got to see Jesus, after he rose again, were still confused by it. Listen to this. They were start- Jesus appears, okay? And they were startled and frightened. Why? Because he's supposed to be dead, and he showed up. I know he said he had the power to come back, but he's literally there, so they're startled. They're frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise up in your minds? Startled, frightened, troubled, doubting. And Jesus was right there. And they still didn't believe it. See, doubts aren't a problem to God, but doubts are a problem to you and me. Jesus' power over death only matters if you believe it. It doesn't do you any good if it just sits there. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in the nails where where the nails were, put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe this. It is hard to believe. Two boys were playing in the backyard one day, and their dog, who was known to romp around the neighborhood, came back in their yard with a dead rabbit in its mouth. They could instantly tell that it wasn't just a dead wild rabbit. It was a white rabbit with spots on it, and they recognized it immediately as their elderly neighbor woman's pet rabbit. So they took it to dad, thinking their dog had killed this rabbit. What do we do? I love this part of the story because he solved it in a dad way. Start thinking, dads. What do you do? He said, just hose it off, put it back in the cage, and she'll never know. (laughs) That's how dads think. When she comes home, she'll think her rabbit had a heart attack or whatever, you know, and it's no big deal. So, so they said, we did that. And we watched from the bushes, and when she came home, she went out to the backyard. She saw the rabbit cage. She saw the rabbit in the cage laying there and started screaming bloody murder. Like not, oh, no, my rabbit's dead, but like this is really crazy bloody murder scream. And mom and dad came running out, got her calmed down, and said, what's the matter? What's the matter? And she said, I buried that rabbit three days ago. doesn't make sense. (laughs) He said to them, Thomas said, look, I'm not believing it. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe it. In other words, hey, that's a good story. It might be true, but it doesn't really affect me because Jesus' power over death doesn't do you any good unless you believe it, okay? And you can understand why Thomas didn't believe this. Jesus' body had been badly mutilated before he ever died. Before he was ever put on the cross, he was almost dead. And it wasn't a case of mistaken identity. Everybody knew that was Jesus on the cross. And it wasn't a case that he might not have been dead because the Roman soldier thrust a spear into his abdomen and pierced the sack around the heart and water and blood came out separately, which meant he was already dead. The Romans were pretty good at killing people. Make no mistake about it, Jesus was dead, Jesus was buried, the tomb was sealed. So Thomas had logical reasons to say, look, I'm just really having trouble with this story. 
And that's why we call him Doubting Thomas. But I want you to know, I think we throw Thomas under the bus too much because it's not a sin to have doubts. Doubts can be the motivator to discovering truth. The important thing is he took his doubts to the right place. Because the next verses say, a week later the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them, okay? He was with them. That's what's important here. He was there. If Jesus is going to show up, it's a week later, but if Jesus is going to show up, it's probably back on Sunday night when everybody's together, so he's going to show up and be there with them. And guess what? You are here. However you're listening to me today, you are here. I don't care if you were bribed with candy or ham or whatever, you are here. Because this is a place Jesus might show up. Thomas could have said, no, I don't believe it. I'm going to go watch March Madness, tell Jesus if he wants to pop in and see me. He's welcome to. But he didn't. Thomas was with them the next Sunday night. He knew he wasn't going to miss it if it happened again. And I hope that's where you are. The problem, the problem with our doubts, again, is Jesus' power over death only matters if you believe it. Jesus, by this point, has been alive for over a week, and it hadn't done Thomas any good at all. Because he didn't believe it. Let me demonstrate. If I, have a, uh, if I have a branch that I need to cut down or, you know, some kind of a, a, a limb or whatever that I need to do in my yard, I have options in my garage, okay? This is the first option. I call this the settler saw. You've seen the DirecTV commercials, okay? You know, we don't need DirecTV, mall. We're settlers. I can do this myself. This is the settler saw. I'll do it with my own power, all right? You can tell this is pretty rusty, doesn't look like it's been used very much because there's no way I'm going to do something on my own power if there's technology available for me, okay? I'm holding out for the apple saw, you know? <laughs> Siri, cut the branch. I mean, that, that's, where I, that's where I'm going. As a matter of fact, I have decided that I'm going to donate this saw to Cracker Barrel because I think this is where, you know, it ought to be hanging on a wall somewhere, don't you think? Even, even if I own these other saws, however, if I don't believe they work, then this is really all I've got. It's up to me. The Bible tells us that even after they had done these miraculous signs in their presence, Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. They still would not. Does that matter? Yeah, it matters because God works according to our faith, and it's a partnership. So if you don't turn on the faith, there is no power. Another verse says Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. You say, well, I don't see very many miracles in my life. Well, do you believe they could happen? I mean, have you turned on the power? Another option I would have is uh, to use this saw. This is an electric chainsaw my dad handed down to me. It's not bad. I mean, it'll work for cutting stuff down in the, you know, in the backyard or whatever. The obvious problem with this saw is you got to stay close to the power, right? I mean, if your buddies decide to go cut firewood, you know, out in the forest someday, I dare you to show up with this saw. Get your man card revoked, right? Um, I'm checking, um, okay, no, you're really not. No, this is not happening. Maybe, maybe for you, the doubts that you have in Jesus mean you don't believe any of it and it doesn't really do you any good and you're on your own. you got the settler saw. But I think for a lot of us, I think for a lot of us, the problem is we believe in the power, we just limit the power. We have faith, but we limit it by never getting more than an extension cord away. For me, th this represents the people who 
They believe in the resurrection, but they don't think it really has anything to do with this life. It's just about the next life, like Martha. For the last several weeks, I've been camping out on this. I've got to come back to it again. Lazarus dies. He's a friend of Jesus, and Martha is his sister, and she's mad at Jesus because Jesus let him die. Now, Jesus is going to resurrect him in just a few minutes, but he let him die, and she's mad. Jesus, it says, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What is that? That's a statement of faith. It really is. It's a statement of faith. I believe you could have done something. I'm just mad at you that you didn't. Then she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Do you really believe that, Martha? Because in a few verses, Jesus is going to ask you to move the stone because he wants to do something now. He wants to resurrect him now. And you're going to say, but Lord, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been there for four days. What does that mean? What that means is Martha's saying, look, I believe you have power. It's just limited power that I believe in. It's this kind of power. I believe that if you would have been here, you could have healed him. And I guess maybe if you would have, you know, got here and he'd only been dead for a day, you could have brought him back. But for crying out loud, he's decomposing, Lord. And this is well past your ability to do anything about it, isn't it? Well, Jesus said, but Martha... Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. See that? That's power cord faith. I, I know someday it's all going to be good. If I ask the people in this room, how many of you think someday it's all going to be good? You're probably going to say, yeah. And you know what I'm going to tell you? That's a very limited faith. Because you know what? When you get to that point, you're going to be dead. I said this last week, but it's like asking do you believe the Cubs will win the World Series someday? Right? I mean, sure, all, I mean, you've got to be a real hater to, to not say if they keep playing baseball, you know, and the world keeps spinning over the next two, three hundred years, the odds are that the Cubs are going to win the World Series. That's not faith. That's statistics, okay? Faith is, do you believe the Cubs will win the World Series this year? One person, excellent, one person of faith. See, you see what I mean? I mean, that's a little different, like, oh, oh, wait a minute, I'm not sure I can go that far. Real faith is putting money on the Cubs winning the World Series this year. Not with me, I don't gamble, I'm just saying, that's what it would be. You see, the problem is, I think a lot of people have the same kind of faith as the guy who is both a veterinarian and a taxidermist. Got to wait for the second laugh every time. Either way, you'll get your cat back. Jesus said to her, but Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you really believe I can do later miracles and now miracles? That's the question. This is the Daring Faith song. This is the Daring Faith saw. This is the saw. How incredibly great is his power to help those who believe in him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Available to you. I'm ready for anything through the strength of Christ who lives in me. That's this saw. And it's not really my saw. We bought it at Home Depot and we're taking it back on Monday. And... Go, go ahead and get your pictures, okay? Here we go, yeah. All right. 
Listen, that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about Jesus saying, hey, you dear children, you are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Back to Thomas. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach your hand, feel my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's why we're calling this daring faith. The Bible says daring faith is believing what you can't see. For Martha, that meant more than just believing that her brother was going to rise someday. It meant moving the stone right now. For Thomas, it meant giving his life to following a God who had power over death both now and later. And we know from church tradition that he did. And for you, it means more than saying, yeah, I believe. Because the Bible says the demons also believe that Jesus is the Son of God because he is. Daring faith for you and for me requires action. Let me explain it this way. Sometimes when God asks us to take a step of faith, I think at the, it, at the time, at least for me, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that doesn't look bad. That's a decent sized hole. I got a bar to hold on to. Um, and, and then you realize that I'm, I'm only four feet off the ground. I'm still in the hangar. This is going to be a lot different when I'm up there at 13,000 feet. And I realize I'm going to be going 120 miles an hour straight down. It's a, it's a big, big difference for me. Sometimes it's easy to look at something that God says, do this. God says, whatever, believe in me, whatever. And sometimes, you know, you're up there high enough. It really, it really gets scary. That's why we call this daring faith. This is Michael, uh, also known as MJ. He just told me he packed my parachute and he just prayed for us. And I took the 23 number. Is that significant for me? 23 parachute? Yes, it is. I said, Michael Jordan, you said? Psalm 23. Yea, though I jump out over the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you are with me, and Michael packed my parachute. I remember last time I did this, I remember the reality of what it was going to be like, you know, jumping out of the plane. But there are moments along the way, little benchmarks, like right here, the line that you cross, right? I mean, it's just, it's just a piece of paint. But there's just a place where you go across right here and you're like, uh-oh, I'm in a different place now. And I think the life of faith is like that a lot. It's like, it's not just the one moment. There are little moments along the way. And if you look back, you've probably been going across that line all of your life, preparing you 
to do the one thing that God's asking you to do. One of the things the instructor told me was, uh, this is how you jump. You're supposed to jump flailed out, arms back, arched like this, because if you jump curled up, you're going to end up flipping over. Even with a, t with a guy on your back, you're going to end up flipping over, and the chute's going to be below you, and that's not a good way to deploy your chute. So what, what this involves is not just jumping out of, uh, out of the plane, but enjoying the ride and flying and knowing that everything's going to be okay. Because what, what happens, I think, a lot of times in my life is that I end up trying to do it on my own. I end up trying to pull back. This is about letting the wind do it and letting the guy take care of everything and letting the chute deploy like it's supposed to. This is about trust. I feel the need, the need for speed. Sometimes you got to take a chance. Sometimes it's a little crazy, but you got to step out of the plane to have a little daring faith. It's the only way to get to experience the ride. up there <laughs> it was cold but I gotta tell you there's nothing like it I, I know you probably think I'm just an adrenaline junkie some of you think that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life it's not the point point is I had somebody strapped to my back who was gonna take care of everything I don't know what it is that God's got for you, but I know that this journey begins and ends with God on your back, making sure everything's taken care of. And when he asks you to get up to the edge of the plane and step out, you know he's got you. So I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will not die. You gotta take that daring step of faith and step out of the plane and know that everything is gonna be okay. Know that God is gonna take care of it. No matter what happens in this fallen world, you gotta know that God's on your back, that he will not let you fall. That's daring faith. There you go. Highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. Take you back to the Luke version of the resurrection 
And the women had seen Jesus, uh, seen the empty tomb, and the disciples hadn't. When the women came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. I love this line. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Not the first or last time in human history that that ever happened, okay? But, but listen, they didn't seem like nonsense. Their words didn't seem like nonsense because the women weren't doing a good job of explaining it. It seemed like nonsense because it's unbelievable. And maybe that's where you are today. I don't know your reasons. Maybe, maybe it has something to do with bad representatives of Jesus that you've had in your life along the way. Maybe it's the hurt and pain that's going on. Maybe it's just your nature. We want you to know we're here to help. We, we want to be here with you. It's just so important to me because you're gonna, you need the hope of the resurrection. Trust me, we all do. But I'm just so tired of watching people go through this life with the settler saw on their own or even the extension cord because Jesus' power over death only matters if you believe.